The mining families of Harlan County are deprived and abused people. You have only to see their teeth to know it, but a sad or beaten people they are not. On the contrary, they are vivid, eloquent, quick of body and mind, and witty. Needless to say, they are ill-educated, but by force of intelligence, they go an astonishing way to overcome the lack. I'm Lauren, with me here is Michelle, and this is the Oxford Comment. What you just heard was an excerpt from Robert Hatch's article in The Nation, responding to Barbara Koppel's film, Harlan County, USA. Now, perhaps inspired by collective bargaining protests in Wisconsin, the IFC Center here in New York City is once again showing this documentary, which won an Oscar in 1976 for Best Documentary Feature. The film tells the story of the coal miners that went on strike against the Duke Power Company in Harlan County, Kentucky in 1973. Now, since we learned that the documentary is playing in New York this week, we wanted to turn our attention back to Alessandro Portelli's oral history, They Say, in Harlan County. Portelli is a leading oral historian, and in 1973, he journeyed to Harlan County and recorded the first of 200 tapes that would go into making the book. Most people know about the area because of its intense labor battles, because of its long history of coal mining. But Portelli says there is a lot more to know and understand about the people. Last summer, Portelli was in New York City, and I had the chance to speak with him. And we decided that now was the perfect time to unearth the interview. So here is Alessandro Portelli discussing his book, They Say in Harlan County. So I thought we'd start at the beginning. Uh, you were born in Rome and have worked there most of your life. How did you get interested in, of all the places in the world, the Appalachian communities here in the United States? Well, basically two things. One, of course, is the music. Uh, and the other is the labor history. And most importantly, the connection between the music and the labor history. You know, all the great tradition of uh, protest songs, like the one that the book is titled after, they say in Harlan County, there are no neutrals there, which is a song, Which Side Are You On?, that was written in Harlan County by Florence Reese in uh, 1932. Um, so uh, initially, it was this sense that this was a unique place in which a very strong uh, traditional culture with the music and the language and the storytelling and everything uh, was still able to deal with modernization imposed from the outside, from the logging industry, the mining industry, the railroads, so that people did, didn't lack a language uh, in which they were able to discuss and describe and criticize in their own terms what was happening to them. And uh, I had worked in similar communities in Italy where uh, you had this connection between a thriving oral tradition and a lively labor movement in the context of uh, a very rapid uh, modernization. And do you find that these labor movements have a stronger oral tradition than other movements or other communities? Well, there's a, one of my favorite quotes from uh, Woody Guthrie is when he says, folk song is big when labor is big, and uh, which may be one of the reasons why folk song is not thriving these days. But uh, of course, you know, the oral tradition is powerful when you have something to talk about, when you have a story to tell about yourself. 
And in the case of the Appalachian communities, and especially in the case of Harlan, on the one hand, you have millions of stories dating back from pioneer times, going through the, uh, of course, the Depression, the Union struggles, and to contemporary events like, you know, mountaintop removal and, uh, and strip mining. And they have a very powerful awareness of the power of language. I mean, I'm generalizing, but lots of people are wonderful speakers. Music is something that you find instruments in every house and, of course, in every church, so that it's a community that's very rich in self-expression, which is one of the ways that had kept it alive over many, many decades of uh, hard times. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about some of the stories you cover in your book and why this region of the country has so many. Well, it's hard to choose stories from 25 years of field work, of coming and going, of living with families. But, well, maybe the first, the very first time I turned the tape recorder around. This was 1973, as a matter of fact. And I was visiting the region for the first time, and the great miner strike at Brookside, which is what the Barbara Koppel award-winning documentary is about. And uh, a friend from the University of Kentucky was driving me around and helping meet people. And uh, I had a hard time understanding because I, ha- I wasn't used to the rhythm and the sound of uh, Appalachian speech. Uh, but then one day I decided I would turn the tape recorder on anyway as permission, of course, because the person was so impressive. And this was uh, a woman named Frances Hager, Granny Hager, they call, you know, grannies are the women who help in childbirth. And Granny Hager had been in everything. Uh, From the 30s to the 70s, she was in the Miners for Democracy. And more than a story, she describes her own body. And she talks about the scars on her hands where the company thugs burned her hands with cigarettes or on her legs when they cut her legs with knives during the strikes in the 30s. And she gives this extraordinary description of her own body, which then becomes, uh, or at least I've thought of it all ever since, an image, an icon for the land itself. You know, the scars on Granny Hager's body are like the scars of the strip mines, of the mountaintop removals. And in fact, you know, people there talk in terms of scars. And so the landscape uh, of the strip mines and the landscape of Granny Hager's body became a metaphor for me of uh, place and of the people who are still alive, still struggling and fighting back in spite of all the many wounds that have been inflicted upon them and upon their uh, environment. I read an interview with you recently where you were talking about how you were out uh, doing your field work and you noticed a group of people all were remembering an event incorrectly, but it was a bunch of people who had this exact same incorrect memory. And I'm wondering if you found this when you were doing your research on Harlan County, if people were misremembering, but they all were misremembering the same. Uh, not as you know, neatly as that case you mentioned. Uh, Maybe the the misremembering, the, the most collective or socialized misremembering is silences. It's the forgetting of, uh, of a number of things. Like, for instance, we all go to Harlan County because of what happened there in the 30s. Basically, the, you know, the 30s were a time of uh, constant union warfare, but there are two specific phases, and the 1931-1932, the 
uh, moment is especially interesting to intellectuals and uh, literary historians because that's when writers like Theodore Dreiser, John Dos Passos went down to Harlan County because uh, for a while the struggle was being led by a communist-oriented union, the National Miners Union. So this is an unusual event in the history of American labor, and it produced a number of books and a number of and all the songs that we were talking about, you know, Molly Jackson, Sarah Hogan, uh, Florence Reese, it all comes from that uh, moment. And, uh, well, that moment is largely covered by silence. Even if you look at uh, people who, went, who worked in Harlan County in the, even in the 50s or 60s or 70s, and they asked about the National Miners Union, very few people admit that they ever had anything to do with it. And also, we, well, I and a number of people like me think of you know labor struggles as an epic moment. Well, people think of it as suffering, as troubles, uh, because they were starving. They were risking their lives. And, um, of course, you know, there's a lot of pride, especially in the later phase, about building the union. But there's, a lot, there's an awareness of the personal costs. And also, uh, the fact that the community was divided, take even the Brookside strike in the 70s, a lot of the community was not on the side of the strikers. There were so that there, there are divisions, and then people tend not to want to talk about these things, about things that are divisive. So that, as opposed to the creative misremembering that you were mentioning, here we have a defensive misunremembering or, uh, or silencing or denial. And then, of course, uh, if you think about it, there's a whole generation in Harlan County that has grown up when the mines are all but gone, when the union is all but gone. And all these things don't mean the same to this generation as they mean to, to a historian or to a, a laborer, to a union sympathizer. It's been a while since the area has made headlines. What's going on there now? Well, what's going on there specifically in Harlan County and in Appalachia? Uh, and I think this should be in the news much more than it is. Violence against the environment, uh, mountaintop removal, which means you know killing the streams, destroying the wildlife, endangering communities, and on the other hand, providing you know a small handful of jobs, uh, which is perhaps not an adequate uh, reward for destroying the land. The other thing that's been happening has been uh, the the worsening of a drug problem, uh, especially prescription drugs and things like that, that have become uh, a very serious, very very serious problem because, of course, you know. There's unemployment. There's often a sense of uh, inadequacy, of powerlessness. But I choose to end the book with, on a positive note because I still believe that there's power there. The response has been cultural, like community theater, community play, work on art, community art, on uh, shared memories, on storytelling, so that the community realizes that there's beauty in them, that there's, uh, that there's worth in, in a community that's being constantly, uh, well, uh, encouraged to think of themselves as total disaster. 
So a big part of changing the county is helping people find other means of survival, other outlets. Well, the question is what ways do people have to make a living? And, you know, the largest employers now are the school system, the uh, the hospital, and there's a problem. You know, there, there's a lot of politics involved in, in those institutions. And um, again, there's a lot of power play involved in uh, this kind of, uh, of jobs, who gets them. But my sense is, uh, I went there looking for the class struggle, you know, the miners and everything. It was still going on when I went. And uh, my sense is that kind of struggle has been lost. You know, in the class struggle, sometimes sometimes the other side wins. Uh, but there are n- new kinds of struggle. And there are struggles for the environment. There are struggles for education. There are struggle, struggles to retrieve a sense of personal wor- uh, worth. And the key word that I have been hearing ever since I've been there. The key word is survival. My first day uh, in uh, the place where I've been staying, which is called Cranks Creek, I went to a place called the Cranks Creek Survival Center. And I had been sent there by Guy Carwin, who was a folk singer. So I thought survival, that it was a cultural center. I went there and was stocked full with baby food cans. And I realized right there that when they talk about survival, they're talking about survival. It's not a metaphor. And, uh, and staying alive, which is the title of my last chapter, is, you know, you need to stay alive to fight. And that's, uh, in the end, that's what the class struggle is about today. Who, survival, staying alive, and getting ready to fight another day. So people are staying there and struggling to survive, or have a lot of people left? Oh, a lot of people have left. A lot of people keep leaving. You know, Harlan has been losing population since the 50s. You know, they, they now have maybe half the population the county had in, uh, at the end of the 40s because of the mechanization of mining first when they, lots of jobs were lost in the 50s, and then the strip mining, which, of course, employs much fewer, uh, much less workforce. So, you know, it's bleeding people in many ways. But it's still there. It's still there. And uh, and I admire them because they draw from whatever sources they can, including, you know, the kind of religion that's so far from me. It, well, they draw from that kind of religion the power to mm, survive. Survive and to look, f- to look for, the f- for a future, which I think is crucial, because survival doesn't mean anything unless you, you think you have a future ahead of you. We are gathered here today to ask the Lord to take us out of Harlan County. Mama married Willie, he stood five, six. His brother was a shovel and a coal man. Days every week, forty days every month, digging for a bone in a heap.